In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Happy Lent. Lent is upon us already. It seems like we just got done with Christmas, and now we are at that time of the church year where we get a little somber, and we get a little quiet, and we get a little reflective about ourselves. Lent truly is a penitential season where we reflect on our sin, our sin against each other and our sin against God, and we omit things like singing of the word Alleluia. This past Wednesday here at the church, we smeared some ashes on everybody's forehead, and we said the word from Genesis chapter 3, from dust you are, and to dust you shall return. For some of you, it's a time to give up things, to fast from things, chocolate, Facebook, alcohol, or whatever else it is. And then when Easter comes around, well then, we're all back at it. When we sit there on Easter Sunday morning and say, Christ is risen from the dead, the alleluias come back, the black and the purple of Lent go away, everything turns to white and the gold, and the Easter lilies fill the sanctuary with the wonderful smells of the resurrection, and we stuff our faces with the chocolate bunnies and eggs, we open maybe one too many bottles of wine, and we wish everybody a happy Easter on Facebook while we go after the guy who cut us off in traffic as we're driving home. You laugh, but is this really what it's all about? 40 days of doom and gloom. 40 days of giving up things, even with the idea that we hope that God might take notice and maybe others would too. I don't buy it. I used to, but I don't buy it anymore. Sure, Lent is needed for all of us. We should all see and know the effects of our sin, the hurt and the pain that I have caused others in my life, and that you have caused for others as well in your thoughts and your deeds. The many cursings and swearings against God that I have, blaming him for somehow the mess of my life, and at times the cursing and swearing that you engage in against God for all the garbage that's found in your life as well. We definitely need to know the ramifications of our sin. Sin very clearly says you die. Adam and Eve were told that today in our gospel reading. We kind of have looked at this and we've boiled it down to maybe what we use with our kids in coloring books in Sunday school. That Adam and Eve encountered the serpent and the serpent was bad and that they should have recognized that the serpent was bad, but they didn't. And so they ate of the fruit and now we're all doomed. But God had spoken before Adam and Eve encountered the serpent. He said one thing. Of this tree you shall not eat. And if you eat it, he says a weird thing, this word sort of combination of words in the Hebrew, you will dyingly die. What does that mean? This is not, well, you know, if you go over Niagara Falls in a barrel, you might live or you might die. 
This is, if you do this, you will dyingly die. You are toast. You are done for. You are as good as dead. There was no opinion about this. There was no even if you do this. If this happens in this sort of way, this will happen. If you eat of this, you dyingly die. And you'll notice here that Adam and Eve do not sit there and say, well, a talking serpent? Who would have thought this? Adam and Eve don't even look at the devil with any kind of fear. See, we often think that if the devil were to show up and somehow tempt us, he'd be in red spandex with horns and a pitchfork and with some sort of torch. And he would somehow encourage us to do these things. And then we could somehow, some way, look at the devil and say, yeah, there's the devil right there. But that is not how he works. It's no different than with the children here this morning. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to teach the faith to the kids. But if I tell them not to listen to you as parents, you're going to say, sorry, pastor, we're not going to let them listen to you. And I could sit here and look as glamorous and as solemn and as pious as I possibly could and say things over and over to you like that. But in the end, you would know from Scripture that I am of the devil when I say something like that. This is how the devil works. He doesn't work as one that you would say, oh, Mark, and avoid that one right there. Don't even go down that street. Don't even go down that path. He works in ways and means by which we say, hey, tell us more. Give us a little bit more. We are very interested. We would like to see how this could come about. Even though God tells us from the scriptures, if you sin, if you rebel against each other and against me, you will dyingly die. The curse of sin and death is real. It's been passed on from Adam and Eve to you and to me and to our children. We have broken and destroyed and even piled up even more chaos and destruction, all of God's goodness and his perfect creation. And we have just added to the pieces of the pile with the messes that we have made in our own lives. But this is what Lent was really all about when all of this started. The early church would observe Lent in a different way, in many ways. Lent was always observed with a heavy emphasis on baptism with who your identity is as a baptized child of God. They wouldn't necessarily look at this as a time where I gotta feel mopey, I gotta stay off social media, I gotta not eat chocolate, I gotta get out and walk more, I gotta do whatever else it is. But Lent looked at this from the early church and said, who are you really? Yes, we know the sin that we have done, we know the law of God. We know that we deserve sin and we deserve death because of our sin. But who does that make you as well? The early church within the first 400 years of the Christian church, this would be a time in Lent where they would teach the new converts to Christianity. And they would be welcomed into the Christian church on Easter Sunday or usually even the Saturday before Easter as they would be baptized 
and receive the Eucharist. But never before that. These early Christians would be taught their identities, that they were being changed into Christ's identity. They were being taught that they were no longer living by themselves or for themselves, but that Christ was now living in and through them for the benefit of others. If this is all about me giving up chocolate or social media, then it really becomes all about me. Me giving up chocolate or social media doesn't help you, does it? Don't answer that. <laughs> we make Lent out to be what we are doing and what we're giving up and how somber and forlorn we can be. But I want you today to walk by that baptismal font right there and be reminded of the words from Peter that we have on the little medallion over that baptismal font. Baptism now saves you. You are a baptized, redeemed child of God. You are now holy, innocent, righteous, and blameless in the sight of God, no matter how much you have done or left undone. We are holy. We are different from the world. And there is a hope that resides in us, a life that resides within us, with God eternally, no matter what we face, all because of what Christ has done for us. You heard about Jesus' temptation today. Do you know when this takes place? It takes place right after he's baptized. After Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, Scripture literally says that as Jesus comes up out of the waters, he is ekbalo in the Greek. Literally pulled back like with a slingshot and shot out into the wilderness. Wilderness in the Bible is always that place of chaos, of uncertainty, of temptation, and sin. Jesus is baptized. He's immediately tempted. But don't take this passage here today that we heard to be somehow, someway, a self-help model for you and I to follow. He is sent to the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and nights. And he's all alone. He's tempted by the devil. And you'll notice how the devil tempts Jesus today. He doesn't say to him, Aha! I've got you just where I want you, Jesus. You're alone and you're hungry. He simply looks to Jesus and says, You haven't eaten for 40 days. You've got to be hungry. Turn some stones to bread. Does that sound so evil? Does that sound so rebellious? You're hungry, Jesus. You can do this. Hey, Jesus, you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, jump off the pinnacle of the temple here because God says that he will command his angels concerning you. Or, Jesus, if you truly want a power and authority, just bow down to me and all of the kingdoms and the nations of the world will be you. I'll give you the whole world. More power and more stuff. And you'll notice here today that Jesus doesn't necessarily go to great lengths to rebut what the devil says. This is not as we see in some of our artwork where Jesus and the devil are, are like this. This is not Jesus pulling out a flaming sword or calling down holy heavenly armies to pounce onto the devil. Jesus, in many ways, with our language here today, 
very simply and very subtly defends the devil. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus is almost very relaxed in a lot of this. <laughs> nah, I'm just going to use scripture back to defend you, to defend myself. He uses the living, breathing, active word of God. He does not call upon anything else but the word alone. And for us today, this is not about how you need to use the word more to defend sin and temptation and the devil in your life. Because you know what? We can hardly notice when he's at work. Because when we do notice what he's in it, when he's been at work, we are usually noticing ourselves with a bunch of regret for what we have said or done. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness can only be beneficial for us when we stop making it about ourselves and what we are doing and place the emphasis back on Christ. He resisted perfectly without any harm to himself or to the world. He does this perfectly and he gives you and me the credit. He throws all of the temptation, all of the evil, all of the sin that we have done, the times where we falter and fail in the temptation, he takes all of it and he stands to take it all away from you. He stands where Adam and Eve fell. He stands where I have fallen numerous times in my sins of thoughts, words, and deeds. He stands in the midst of all of your times of falling down as well, and he's standing today as one who is victorious over the devil by his perfect resistance of temptation. And he now picks you up to stand as well. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. Jesus is far more than just our example. He is our Savior, our Lord, our Captain, the one who goes before us and makes us the way. He is in the wilderness being tempted for us in our place, and he is there doing what we could not do, resisting and destroying the power of the devil, crushing his head. He was tempted in every way possible, yet without sin. But he who knew no sin became for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is the great and wonderful comfort that Jesus is not just showing us today in how to defeat the devil, but it's what he has done for us. And in Christ and by faith in him and his promises, we have the promised victory, not only over sin and death, but the world. Jesus takes back paradise in the wilderness for you. By his obedience, you and I are made righteous. God grant that Jesus' temptation in the wilderness would encourage us in our fight against temptation, but even more so knowing that Jesus' victory over the devil gives us comfort and peace, that by faith we would be sure that all is finished for us. That was given to you in your baptism. 
That is who you are in your identity. And yes, you and I are on a journey called life, and it's full of joys and sorrows, including temptations. But we leave this place today and every day knowing that we are baptized. We have, been the, we have the champion on our side. Sin and death is defeated. No matter how hard the devil wants to throw things at you, Jesus is ready to stand and forgive and renew you. And most of all says that he has defeated the devil in your place. So happy Lent. Repent of your sins, acknowledge your sins before God and before one another, but also rejoice when we see that, yes, even this season is all about Jesus, who has claimed you as his own dear children in baptism. He who would walk out on that first Easter Sunday in order to promise that that is our future and that is our life eternally. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.